Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. In this episode, I interview my friend and brother in Christ, Jake McElfresh of Front Porch Step. This is his first interview in eight years following the demise of his music career after a scandal that he was involved in. So in this episode, I honestly really don't say much at all. I really just wanted to give Jake the opportunity to take the floor to share the story of his upbringing. Um describe the depraved man that he was and get into his testimony of how he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and by his grace and mercy really turned his entire life around. Jake is now married and expecting a child. It's just a really incredible story that could only be authored by our Savior. And um, I felt really honored to share this story to talk to Jake, to get to know Jake. It's really full circle because as you'll hear, I used to listen to his music back in the day before I was saved. So it's really full circle for us to both be born again, disciples of Jesus Christ, sharing this together. Um, Now I will say that we definitely recommend viewer discretion being advised for this episode as we do talk about some sensitive content surrounding Jake's history and the things that he has been guilty of in the past. Um, so yeah, just don't listen to this with your little kids around. Um, this is definitely one that you'll want to watch or listen to without them present. Um, and I want to just add that this isn't about saving face for Jake. This isn't about trying to exalt him in any way, shape, or form. We both acknowledge that in the episode. This is about for both of us really just sharing the heart of the Father, the God, the merciful, gracious, almighty God that the both of us have come, have both come to know and to love so dearly and to have really found our redemption in. And so whether or not you know Jake, if you um, are new here to the podcast, welcome or If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you're just watching this because let's be honest, you know about Jake and you're curious about what he has to say here. Um, We pray that this is received in seeds of faith, that the seeds would just land on fertile soil. Again, not to make you like Jake in any way, although honestly, it's hard not to because of the new creation that he is in Christ Jesus, but rather to share with you that no one is beyond God's redemption. There is no sin that the Lord Jesus will not forgive, and we are all equally undeserving of that forgiveness. And yet that is why the free gift of salvation in Jesus is just so precious because none of us deserved it. And yet when we receive him in faith, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then there is no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. And while the carnal world is slow to forgive and we live in a cancel culture society, Jesus comes and says, I love you and I forgive you for that. And so again, it's just our prayer that this is received with the heart of the Father, that the heart of the Father would pour out onto the audience, that he would pour his spirit out onto you. And if you don't know Jesus, that this would be maybe a catalyst for you to know his goodness and his mercy And to understand that no matter what you have done, no matter what sin you have committed, no matter how big or what you would deem small it is, that there is redemption. 
there is salvation in him alone. And I also really just want to note that if you have malice in your heart, hearing Jake's story or knowing of Jake's past, then I would just encourage you of forgiveness. Again, whether or not you know Jesus, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And so while I don't want to sit here and try and make you love Jake, I just want to encourage you that forgiveness will only benefit you in the end. And we should forgive others as our Father in heaven has forgiven us. So I really pray that you enjoy this episode. I encourage you to listen to it or to watch it all the way through, even if you have to take breaks. It is long. But again, this is his first interview in eight years since 2015. So there's just really a lot to say here. There's a lot of ground to cover. And again, I'm very honored to have had the opportunity to lay that foundation out with him. Now, the one thing I do want to save face for is the necklace that you're going to see me wear because I know my audience and that may cause some confusion if you guys are familiar with that symbol as I was not when I was wearing it. I actually went to a party later on that day after this interview was recorded and my friend pointed out to me that the cross that I had on actually wasn't a cross representative of our Lord Jesus Christ, but it is an Egyptian cross representing the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And so I tossed it. I just wanted to mention that in case it caused any sort of confusion or somebody wanted to say something about it. Um, Yeah, so that being said, I really hope that you enjoy the episode with Jake. Definitely stick around and see it through until the end because he gives us a really special performance of an original song that he wrote that is absolutely amazing called Walk You Home that he actually wrote for both Jesus and his wife. And it's just really beautiful. So enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm Angela. I'm here today with my friend Jake McElfresh, and I said his last name right. Um, I'm really excited to have him here. You may know him from Front Porch Step. He is the solo man to Front Porch Step. Um, This story is really interesting, uh, really full circle for me, honestly, because I used to listen to him back in like 2013, 2014. I was a pop punk kid. I really had music there as my savior before I knew Jesus. Music was everything to me. And so I was going through a really bad breakup with the person who's now my husband. And that's when I found Jake's music. I also had just lost my grandma, as you all know that testimony by now, in 2014. And his music was also super helpful for me in that time. And so we're going to get into the story of what happened to Jake and his career at that time in his life. Um, I found him recently again when Mike and I were on our honeymoon. We were driving down to Florida. It was like a 12-hour drive. And so we did what you do on a road trip. We went down musical memory lane. I was like, remember From Porch Step? Let's listen to that. And then I ended up finding his new music and found his Instagram now and saw that he's a Christian and is saved. 
And I kind of remember seeing that back then, but thinking that it was kind of baloney, like, oh, sure, you're saved. And it's really interesting. We're going to talk about this in the interview, but it's really interesting to see how now that I'm saved, when I saw that he's that he's a disciple of Jesus, how I really received that with such a soft heart because I know God's grace. But back then, before I was saved, I really just thought it was a grift, basically. So what I'm going to do now is hand it over to Jake. I'm going to let him tell his story, his testimony. um, And we'll just see where the conversation goes. I'm praying that it's fruitful for all of you. Hi, Jake. Hey. Um, <laughs> How are you? Good. You had good. prayed um, before, but could I say a specific prayer before we start? Yeah. Do you mind? Okay. Um, dear Father, uh, I just want to pray the over the listeners. God, I know that you know me, um, but I pray that you would protect anyone listening from anything that I say that's untrue. Um, anything that I say is false or deceitful or lying. Um, God, I, I pray that um, in some way you would reveal uh, my heart to them and that they would know um, the truth of the words that I'm speaking. Um, God, humble me, uh, make me meek as I speak, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, give me the words that glorify you, um, and please help me to make this not about me. Um, we pray this in your only precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I, I want to start out this caveat. First of all, my name is Jake McElfresh, as you said. Um, I am the sole, uh, already crying, it's great, um, sole singer-songwriter behind Front Porch Step. So I want to start out with a caveat that a lot of people listening, if you've never heard of me through Angela and you Google me, uh, you're going to see a really a lot of really awful things said about me in articles. And the goal of this interview is to not make anyone like me. Um, right. The goal of this interview, this isn't for PR, and you'll probably find that out as you listen. Uh, that I'll probably say things that will make make a lot of people like me less. Um, My goal is to not make me sound like a better person. Uh, My goal is not to attack anybody um, that uh, may have said things that are untrue. Uh, But my goal is to tell a story. And I hope that that story is received well, um, if that makes sense at all. It does. Okay. Well, so I started out growing up in a hodgepodge um, of a very Roman Catholic side of my mom's and a very um, Protestant kind of Southern Baptist side on my dad's. Um, And so I kind of had this, and by the way, when I say Southern Baptist or I say Roman Catholic, I'm just talking about my personal experience. I don't mean this is the blanket for everybody that uh, adheres to either of those. But so in the Roman Catholicism side, I had this very works-based idea that I need to be a good boy and then I'll you know, go to heaven, make sure I do right. And then um, in the Baptist sense, you know, I had these pastors that would say, and this isn't all Baptist, I'm just saying like, hey, if you say this prayer, um, you're saved and you're going to go to heaven. And I remember specifically asking a pastor, like, are you saying that I can do anything? And like, I'll still go to heaven. You know, did you say that prayer? Did you ask Jesus into your heart? And it's like, well, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, he'll let me do anything. And that attitude right there should have been a telltale sign for any pastor that cared about my soul at the time that like I might need uh, a little bit more uh, explanation of what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause anyone who's like 
you're saying I can do like whatever I want and still go to heaven. Like that's not the attitude of someone who's had repentance. Um, so I was a Christian. Big quotation marks. If you're listening to this on podcast, I am uh, quoting with my fingers. I was a Christian. Um, a lot of real weird um, things growing up that kind of led me down a path. And I, I'm going to continually stop and make prefaces. And it's just natural for me to do. Um, but you'll find out through this that nothing I'm saying is like, oh, I had this bad thing happen to me. And so that makes everything I've ever done okay. And like, I'm a victim. I, I've never been a victim. I have found this out um, in 31 years that there's nothing I've ever been a victim of. Um, I am a, a victim of my own choices. And there's things that have happened to me. Um, but they're never a reason for me to do anything else to anybody else. Just to make that clear. Like I'm not a victim. And so um, parents got divorced when I was about... Ugh, like seven to nine, like just the, the worst, um, the worst time to not have like an active dad in your house, if that makes sense for a little boy. And I love my dad. We have a great relationship. He's amazing. And that's part of my testimony. But, um, I think, uh, a huge part of the trajectory of my life was the lack of discipline in the home. If mm. that makes sense. Mm. Um, my mom worked her butt off um, she's one of the few people I know, and I'm not getting into politics at all. She's one of the few people I know that was on welfare and worked like within like a seven month period, worked herself out of welfare, got us like used a beautiful system that is welfare um, to help a woman in need with her two kids and got out of welfare. And, you know, I commend my mom for that. But there's a reason why we were designed to have a father and a mother in the household because my mom can't do everything. Um, and by the way, I, I fault um, my mom and my dad uh, for that situation. My dad did end up marrying another woman, leaving my mom for that woman. And I now love that woman, by the way, with my whole heart, by the grace of God. She is my stepmom, and I, I love her. And I hold no hard feelings towards her. But um, as a kid who was too young to understand, especially sin and the nature of man, I was like, my mom's perfect. She never did anything wrong. Mm. And my dad's a monster and I hate him, uh, if that makes sense. And so you have this beginning of a distrust for men and a misunderstanding of what loving discipline looks like, if that makes sense. Do you want me to continue talking? Yeah, please. Like, okay. Because uh, I warned Angela and her delightful husband that I talk too much and that she's going to have to cut me off. But, um, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you're going to, a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Uh, if you've never heard of Tim Challies, he has a wonderful article on this. You can just look up Tim Challies on why you shouldn't let your kids have sleepovers. Um, and there's data that the first time a kid smokes weed, the first time a kid drinks, the first time a kid loses a virginity, especially the first time men especially watch pornography is at sleepovers at other people's houses. And, uh, you know, I discovered pornography at a really young age. And I think pornography is one of the most evil things that's ever been put on the face of this planet. Um, and, what it, what it does, especially the access of internet pornography and what it has done to men's brains, especially mine, was I can find a woman 
and I can pick her. Um, she's the, the woman that I want to watch and I want to, uh, by the way, I don't have to do anything for her. It's a completely selfish, um, individualistic, um, there's no trade-off, um, especially with internet pornography because you don't really have to pay for it. So I get all the, you know, quote unquote, best of her and I don't have to give anything of myself to her. So it's, it's one of the most selfish things in the world. Um, and then when I'm bored, I can just click and then go to something else and I can just click and go to something else. And as I got older, um, and I'll go back and forth through timelines, but I noticed looking back that I viewed women in relationships the way that I viewed pornography. And it, even if it was subconsciously, um, there was, I would date a girl and there would always be in the back of my mind, but like this girl was nice to me and you know, I'm using words from back then, but she's, she's hotter. And like, I wonder if I have a chance with her and the way I viewed women. Um, and I know I'm saying this, knowing this doesn't do any good for any accusations made against me. I'm going to say things that are people are like, yep. Like he's admitting to everything that's ever been said about him. But like I viewed women as meat, um, regardless of what's true or untrue. Um, and that doesn't mean everything ever said about me is true. Um, but I regret my mentality more than anything I've ever done um, in general, because the way that I viewed women was disgusting and it was deplorable. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful to God that that's not the case now. But pornography trains your brain um, to just kind of just shut off women. Um, and there's just looking back and, you know, I'd mentioned to Angela and she's going to put something before this about making sure you kind of listen to this before you listen with children. Cause, um, I don't want anyone to hear anything that they don't want their kids hearing, but just even thinking of like, um, I hate calling them gentlemen's clubs, but let's call them what they are strip clubs and being like, Oh, like, you know, I don't want to go to that strip club because like, you know, they, if you go at this time, the women there aren't like as good looking as the other women. And, you know, this, this kind of mentality that I had as a man and I had no idea what it was like. And I'm going through this now and it's amazing, but I had no idea what it was like to, to love a woman for who she was. And then her body change over time and her, she get older and my, my wife's pregnant. My wife is name is Chanel. She's the most wonderful thing in the world. She'll be a part of this. But like, I had no idea what love was in the sense of like, love isn't contingent on what someone can offer to you, but it's a choice that you make to place your love upon someone, no matter what it changes in my my, my, I almost said my bride, but I mean it. My wife has this beautiful belly right now with this beautiful little boy inside of it and her body's changing and she's insecure. And I remember when I was younger thinking, I don't know when I say younger, six, seven years ago, man, I hope like my future wife doesn't get super fat after she's pregnant. Like the worst possible thoughts you could think of, if that makes sense. It's awful. And I have this beautiful gift that I get to watch this woman just grow this little baby inside of her. And by the way, um, life begins at conception. And I've, I've spoken to that little boy and he kicks when I talk to him. And it's beautiful. And I love him so much. And I don't even know him. Like, I don't even know him and I love him. 
Um, sorry. So going back, so I have this horrible mentality, um, towards women and uh, this is so important. Christianity has done a terrible, terrible job at talking to people about sex. And when I say that, what we basically have done is said, Hey, um, sex is disgusting and deplorable and awful and it's vile and it will send you to hell save that for your wife and it's like hmm. like like what do you what and what we're not telling young men and women but i'm a man obviously um is we're not telling it's like sex is one of the most beautiful and wonderful things that's ever been created god created it and because he created it he knows how it's best to be enjoyed and to be practiced and anything outside of that bounds that includes in marriage between a man and a woman um, is, is not good for you. Um, and you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but so this is my mindset. I'm, I'm, uh, I need to be a good person so I can go to heaven, but also I'm going to go to heaven no matter what, because I can just mm -hmm. do whatever I want. Um, so if I rant, please forgive me to anyone listening. Someone's going to listen to this podcast and lose their mind, uh, frustrated with my back and forth. But around, I was probably 13, 14, 15, I started going to youth group. And um, I ask anyone listening, uh, when I start talking about anything theological, to just listen. Uh, by the way, my experience is not the gospel. Um, uh, my testimony can be about what the gospel is, but Muslims have experiences, Hindus have experiences, um, former astrologists and, and witches have, have experiences. My experience is not the gospel, but I pray that you would just listen to what I'm saying and, and take it with a grain of salt and study your Bible. If you're a Christian, listen to what I'm saying. Be like, does, does this line up with the word of God? So, um, youth group, uh, for me was, and I'm, I'm still friends with my youth pastor. And if he listens to this, I don't blame him because I think it's culture. I don't think he like was like, I'm going to not do anything for these kids. But uh, youth group is, hey, I'm going to give a 10-minute devotional about like how much God loves you. And then let's play a Halo tournament. Um, and that's like going to bring people to youth group. We, you know, we want kids to think Jesus is cool. And how we're going to do that, and it's not just that youth group, but how we're going to do that is we're not going to make anything about Jesus. And we're going to give them everything the world gives them. And then we're going to say, we're going to put like a big Jesus, um, you know, sign on the wall. Um, but nothing in the room is going to really have anything to do with Jesus. And I'd go to youth group and music comes in here. Um, I loved music, grew up with a dad who um, still, we just, the other day we played guitar and sang together. Uh, I love old country music and um, music's been a big part of my life. Well, there is something I listened to your episode about, you know, Satanism in the music industry. And I do think music is one of the biggest things that Satan uses to manipulate people and, and ruin lives. Um, but I don't think it's just in the secular world. I think it's used in, in churches and there's something to say about a droning piano over and over again with repeated phrases like you know you come uh from the occult background and it's like 
if you keep playing the piano and it's like, we love you, Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Like we, and people are like, get, start crying and they're flailing around. And like that, this is what I was a part of. And I heard this guy like speaking what I thought was, um, this was at a youth conference or a youth camp. And what I thought was like a different language, literally, like he was speaking um, like Middle Eastern, some Middle Eastern language. And that's when I first experienced um, the, you know, that concept of tongues. And I remember like just hands being laid on me and me being this really young, scared boy um, and not really knowing anything and just wanting to be loved and feeling this like passion around me, like something was happening and it was amazing. And I, you know, I just started doing the same thing he was doing. Um, and it was beautiful. Um, and I want to go back to this, but like I was you know, sobbing and I was singing these worship songs and then I started speaking in tongues. Well then in hindsight that night, probably I was trying, uh, at, at this point I hadn't fornicated yet, but I was probably trying to find a girl to fornicate with, or, uh, trying to find somebody who wanted to fight. Like I, I would go through, I would go to this church service. I'm on fire for God. I'd walk out of the service and I was a heathen. And it's like, this doesn't line up if I look back at who I was back then. And so I'm going to fast forward because this is going to be too long of a story. Um, so always been like a, in people, in articles, I've talked about this. People are like, you're just talking about how you're ugly and that makes all of your, you know, your, uh, all of your, uh, what's we're looking for? Everything you've supposedly done. Okay. It's like, no, it, I do think there's a point to self-esteem being a huge issue in, uh, in, in teenagers, especially today with Instagram and social media. Um, but I was never like a super good looking dude. I was always overweight. Um, you know, we joked about, or I joked about my bad teeth earlier and, um, really wanted to be loved. And I think, um, this has a lot to do um, not only with me wanting, needing to know my savior, but having the absence of a father in my life at that time. And once again, I don't blame my dad. I'm just saying like, I needed a father. It was designed for that to happen. Um, and so I just want people to like me. That's all I wanted. I just want people to like me and I wanted to be loved. And when I say this, you're going to be like, someone's going to be like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, and it's, I don't mean that in the sense of like, like, I just wanted to be loved. It's like, I was so obsessed with myself that I mm. was the center of the universe and I needed to be loved. I worshiped this love. Okay. So I start writing songs. I try to get in bands. Nobody really wants me in their band. I'm fast forwarding very fast now. And, uh, probably around 2012, I wrote this. So help me God EP. And, you know, I'm, I'm dating women that I shouldn't be dating. And by the way, if they claim Christ, they shouldn't be dating me, but I'm dating women and like, I'll meet a girl at the bar and we'll start dating and then she'll cheat on me. And I'll be like, God, like, why, like, why did this woman that I met drunk at the bar? Like, why, why did she cheat on me? And like, I'm like, God, like, why have you forsaken me? Like, why? Oh, like, you know, and everything was God's fault. It's mm. like, bro, like I told you not to go near the campfire, like you're burned. But like, I didn't push you into the campfire. I literally said, Hey, that fire will burn you. Don't touch it. And I'm like, 
well, now I'm burned and, and it's all God's fault. That was my Christianity, if that makes sense. So um, I start writing these songs and I had a concept of sin because I, in So Help Me God, I wrote about sin. In the last line, I said, this gunshot will drown out the noise in my head, but these blood stains won't cover the shame in my bed. And I can't think about it because I don't have the time because either way I'll lose my mind. And so I had this concept of sin. Um, but an important thing for people to understand, especially Christians, is the difference between attrition and contrition. Um, uh, the Bible says a broken and contrite heart, you know, God will not despise. And a difference between that is if I murdered someone and I go to the courtroom and the judge says, you know, you're guilty. And as soon as he says I'm guilty, I start weeping and I say, please, no, I, I don't want to go to prison. I, I don't want to go to prison. Please, no. Um, but if you reverse it and he says you're free to go, I'm I'm clapping. I'm excited. Oh, thank God I got off with this. Contrition, and these aren't uh, encyclopedia or dictionary definitions, uh, but I think they they work. Is I murder someone, and I and I regret it immediately. I've seen what I've done, and I go to the courtroom and I say, Judge, I'm a murderer. I've killed this person. Give me the worst punishment you possibly have. I don't deserve anything. Kill me if you have to give all of my money to their family. I am a murderer. Um, and even if that judge says, nope, you know, you're, you're free to go. It's like, no, I'm a murderer. And there needs to be just punishment for what I've done. Um, that's a contrite heart, if that makes sense. Like that's what it means to truly be sorrowful. And so I was never upset with God when I got the girl. But if the girl cheated on me or the relationship didn't work out, it was now God's fault that that didn't happen. Um, but I also, by the way, never thanked him if I was in, like if I met a cool girl and we started dating, it was never like, oh, praise God. It was, he wasn't there. Um, so I like writing songs. I start writing songs and, uh, you know, Drown, if you know who I am and you know the song Drown and you can talk about the song Drown, um, and your experience with it, but I was dating a girl and she was super nice. And, um, I think I was 19 and she was like 17. Um, I think she was 16. When we started dating. This is like before front porch step, but I was so immature and I was such a jerk that like, if I look back on that relationship um, I totally just made her, I mean, this is the first time I've really had a chance to say this publicly, but I really just made her out to be the worst person ever. And she wasn't perfect. But what I did was when we broke up and she started, you know, sleeping with someone else, um, what I did was I wrote this song and I called her cancer and I called her plague. And I took what I've learned through growing up which is Jake is the victim of every situation possible. Like Jake's always the victim. And I wrote this song and I made a lot of money off of it. And all these people are like, yeah, I love drown. And there's some girl that's just like, you call, she, she was drunk at a party years later. And she's like, you called me cancer. And I'm just like, maybe you shouldn't have been such like a bad girlfriend. But now, um, if I had a chance to tell that girl, it's like, uh, I'm sorry you ever met me. 
like I'm sorry you had the um, I'm sorry that you had the the absolute misfortune of knowing me. Um, I I wish I never wrote the song Drown, um, and I wish that I never portrayed myself as the victim in every possible situation. And so um, music starts to blow up on YouTube. I wrote this song called The Island of the Misfit Boy that you're probably familiar with. Um, Angela, I'm not assuming that everyone listening mm-hmm. knows who I am. And it blew up on Reddit. People were like, wow, this kid's really depressed and this is so real and raw and real. And man, when I wrote that song, you know, I didn't have a job. My mom paid for everything. I didn't clean the house. I hmm. My mom would pay my sister to clean my room. Like when I say I was like a scumbag, I was like the, you know, if you're going to use common internet terms, like I was the neckbeard, like discord moderator, like pun that people make now. Like I was such a scumbag. I, I didn't do anything for anyone. And um, even backtracking a little bit, all through high school, failed every class, and it was like, oh, I failed because my dad left. I failed because my dad left. It's like, no, you failed high school because you didn't do what you were told. And if you did what you were told and did the right things that you do have the conscience to do, you would have passed high school. Um, you're not a victim. Um, and I do, I don't fault my mom for this, um, but if I could go back in time and give my mom some advice, um, I would tell my mom to discipline me um, I can't imagine what she felt for her son that would cry because he, he wishes his dad would come back or he hates his dad, but I would be awful to my mom, disgusting, call my mom names. I'd, I'd break things. I was such a, just a dirtbag child. And my mom would be like, you're not playing Xbox for the next week. And I'd be like, okay, mom, I'd go upstairs and play Xbox. Uh, probably 30 times my mom threatened to call the police and send me to juvenile detention. And it would have been the most loving thing for her to do. And she didn't understand, but it would have been the most loving thing for her to do to call the police the first time. There shouldn't have been 29 threats. I was, I deserved to go to jail for the way I disobeyed my mom, for the person that I was. Like I was a, I was such an awful kid. And where we miss with Christianity and the gospel is we're like, um, we, we find the heroin addict on the street and we're like, oh, like, let me make sure I get you all the help you need. But like, I'm never going to tell you to stop doing heroin. I'm never going to call the police on you. I'm never going to do anything that actually like will get you to possibly change. I'm just going to keep coddling you and I'm going to make sure you have clean needles so you don't, you know, I really don't want you to hurt yourself with the heroin you're injecting in your body. And we think we're loving people, but we're really just enabling to continue to kill themselves. And that's what I think my mom, ignorantly, by the way, because she's going to listen to this. Mom, you know, I adore you with my whole heart. Um, And you are the best mom. But in her line of thinking, what she was doing was loving her son. But when she would say, you know, you can't play Xbox for the next week. um, She should have thrown my Xbox out the window. She paid for it. But I was... That's who I was. So the reason I, I ramble about all this is imagine that kid becoming famous. Hmm. Like that kid that I just described. And by the way, you're going to be listening. I've never heard of you. I always joke and say like E-list, pseudo E-list famous. I was famous in a small pocket of the world. Um, but 
imagine giving that kid any form of gratification from affirmation from women, uh, from men, uh, from anybody. And so where I thought when I started to like get famous and people really started to respect me as a songwriter, I was like, yeah, like it's finally coming together. Like this is what I deserve. Like it's like God's finally going to stop, you know, withholding all the things that I've earned in my life. And I did not earn anything. I was such, I can't labor more on how awful of a kid I was, um, I had my moments because we we have the law of God written on our heart. I, I was kind and compassionate at times, but I mean overall, I I was a very terrible kid. So we take a really spoiled brat of a child um, who grows up into a spoiled brat of a of a teenager, into a spoiled brat of a a little boy in a man's body. And I know it's 2023. I don't mean that literally. I was a, the mentality of a little boy in a man's body. Um, and you give him affirmation and fame from at first 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000 people. Ooh, you've created yourself a monster. And once again, that's nobody else's fault except mine. But I went from like, you know, being okay, like getting girlfriends to like all of a sudden my inbox is full with women. And I didn't care if you were 16 or you were 44. If you were a, 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 a attractive female and you wanted to give me attention, I wanted all the attention from you. And this you know, brings up uh, why I lost my career, um, but I would like to complete the story and then go back to that. Um, and so I'm just awful. Just texting women all the time. Um, I have like names in cities. Like I wouldn't know your name. How you, old were you now? This is like 22. This is 2013. I'm I I I get offered to play. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I get offered to play on a um, a Never Shout Never tour. It's my first tour, and um, that happens December 2013, and it's slowly but surely building this like fame that we're talking about. And so, going to 2014. Um, uh, I get asked to play, oh, sorry, in 2013, I played one date of Warp Tour in Cincinnati. And uh, Kevin Lyman, uh, who runs and owns Warp Tour, asked me if I wanted to be a part of the Acoustic Basement Tour, which is a precursor tour for Warp Tour. It's in the winter. So I did that. Um, and this is all really important that I'm going to miss out on. Um, I loved uh, that tour. I didn't know Brian, who was the guy who ran it at the time. I didn't listen to his music before. But Transit and Hit the Lights were on that tour. I rode in a van with Nick from Hit the Lights and all Transit. Those were bands I listened to and loved. And they'll all tell you, I don't have contact with really anybody anymore. But I was such a selfish, I want to say the you know P-R-I-C-K word, so bad. I was so awful um, that these dudes all should have jumped me. Like I should have been beat up and thrown off the tour. Like I was so, such a whiny little baby. And I would, I would message the, the owner of Pure Noise Records and I would complain and he would email me and he'd be like, Hey man, the, the, I don't like the things the guys are saying about you and like the way you're acting, like you should be more appreciative. And he was so right. Like I was such like, I, in my head, I'm, I'm in a 15-passenger van, by the way, on a precursor to Warp Tour, 
And in my head, like I should be Justin Timberlake. Like I should be like the cream of the crop artist possible, if that makes sense. People are going to be like, he says if it makes sense every 20 minutes. But, uh, and so here I am, if you would have told me 10 years before that, or they weren't around, but years before that, that I was going to be on tour with Transit and Hit the Lights, I've been like, or Chris Drew from Never Shout Never, I'd be like, that's going to be the greatest moment of my life. And nothing was ever good enough. Um, no band was cool enough for me to tour with. No girl was good enough for me to stay with. I mean, all while this is happening, I'm, and I, I don't take pride in this. So if I sound like I'm talking about flippantly, I'm just being honest. I've got like 20 girls a day that I'm texting and I might even, Hey, beautiful. I miss you. Hey, beautiful. I miss you. Hey, beautiful. I miss you to like six different girls that morning. And it's like, to me, it was pornography. They weren't real, because at least in pornography, they don't know you're watching them. But in this scenario, they were just girls on a phone, and they meant nothing to me. And they're going to hear this if they listen. They're going to be like, wow, you're awful. And I'm like, yeah, I, I was. Like, I'm not, I'm not flippantly talking about this as if I wasn't a terrible person. It's just the truth. So all while, like beautiful beautiful girls like my own age want to talk to me and i'm talking to them and i'm still talking to to 16 70 year old girls that even though i know in ohio it's there it's the age of consent i know it's weird and i probably shouldn't be doing it but like there was no bounds to my nothing was binding my will to just be a scumbag if that makes sense they're just just a scumbag and nothing was good enough so 2014, that's where we are. I get asked to be on Warp Tour. Um, and some things had happened before this where I'd play a festival and the room was way more full than we thought it would be. Um, and it's like, okay, something's kind of happening here. Like, we don't know. This is weird. Um, 2014 Warp Tour rolls around. And I remember my manager calling me, kind of hyping me up. He's like, hey, man, I'm playing the acoustic basement tent. He's like, hey, man, you know, no one's... It's normal for three people to show up to your tent. You're you're building your career here, like this is you know this is where Katy Perry got her start. This is where Eminem, Blink One Eight Two, like people don't know you now, but they will know you. First day, some city in Texas tent is packed full with people to see me. Um, and remember the kid I described growing up. All those people are there to see that kid. Next day, it's bigger, and I remember I would meet people um, from other bands. And I'd be like, oh, I'm Jake from Front Porch Step. They're like, oh, I've never heard of you. Like, that's cool. Like, knuckle bump. It started slowly over time being like, oh, you're that dude? Oh, I've heard a lot about you. Um, I was, and as you hear, this is not me bragging because you'll hear about the, the very quick demise of my entire career, uh, which is of my own fault. But I was, I shared a bus with the guy who ran the merch for the whole festival because I was just with the, the workers because um, they were nice enough to, let me have a cheap spot on a bus because uh, I had no money. And there was one point like halfway through Warp Tour or maybe even sooner that my merch was either matching or outselling the main stage bands. Um, one of my biggest shames of my life was I... Uh, um, Lincoln Park 
was playing Warp Tour that day. They were the special guest. You get, you're not allowed to know ahead of time. They let you know in the morning. And so it's all over social media. And I look at my time slot and I play during Lincoln Park. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me, Kevin? And so I message, by the way, I'm a nobody artist. And remember the kid that I described. And I remember emailing Kevin and being like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, this is bull crap. And I remember him being like, you're the only acoustic artist that I have that could hold a crowd during Lincoln Park. And what he meant probably was like six people. Like, that's probably what he meant. Uh, I played during Lincoln Park. My tent is packed past, like there's videos of that day. My tent is packed past its capacity. Wow. And I'm like, you guys know Lincoln Park's playing. They're like, we don't care. And remember, this is that kid that is just a scumbag. Um, but I, I was really good. I grew up loving uh, romance movies. I lived with a mom and a sister. And everything was romanticized to me. Um, uh, one, I told a lot of women, like first dates, you know, I think I could see myself marrying you. Like I was that dude, like the mm. weird dude. And so, uh, by the way, this whole time I'm a Christian. Remember that. Angela, that I'm a, you know, I'm Air a quote Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Christian. And so, and I would talk about God and I, there's interviews of me where I'm like, I don't give an F if like you're Muslim or like whatever, dude, like believe what you want, bro. Like I believe what I believe. And, uh, oh gosh, if you could just see the things that I thought or the things that I did and you'd be like, okay, this guy is not a Christian. Um, and so I'm trying to, then Chicago happens and there's a big thing like Victory Records was in Chicago and A Day to Remember had beef with Victory Records and because uh, they're from Florida, but they did a guest appearance. And I don't know if this is true, but they did a guest appearance at Warped Tour on the day to Chicago and it's supposed to be like a slap in the face to Victory Records, but it was a big deal. Like everyone was talking about A Day to Remember is playing Chicago. Wake up, Kevin puts me during A Day to Remember. And I'm like, okay, Kevin, like you literally hate me. Like this is bull crap. So like, I'm so selfish. Like this dude, like Kevin, like knows the who's who of this genre. And I'm some snot nosed, like 21 year old at the time, I think 22 year old. That's like telling him like the gift that you've given me to be allowed to play this tour, um, is not good enough for me. And I deserve to be on a bigger stage. I deserve hmm. this. I deserve this. I deserve this. Um, people people say that, uh, you know, Kevin has defended me too much or anything like that. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, Kevin wouldn't claim Christ. I don't understand how Kevin wouldn't um, kick me off the tour in the first day. And maybe it's because he deals with a lot of, or at one point dealt with a lot of really drunk awful people you know that were just probably in that punk rock world that were just treated him like crap and maybe he developed thick skin um but kevin should have kicked me off the tour like first day it shouldn't have mattered how many people i brought to the tour i should have been kicked off the tour um the way i talked to kevin and uh um or the way i talked about kevin to other people also which i apologize for uh but continuing it, it, it got so crazy, um, just the amount of people. And all this time, I'm being stupid with my phone. I'm being stupid with my interactions. And by the way, I say stupid, but I mean sinful and by law, illegal. I, I, I literally knew it was illegal to receive and send uh, you know 
explicit messages to girls under the age of 18. Um, but I didn't care. It's just at one point, 10 years ago, I was like, I cared and I didn't want people to think less of me. But as I've grown older, if I really cared and didn't want people to think that low of me, I probably shouldn't do the things I've done. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. I probably should have thought about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just a scumbag. Just, but I present this like, Oh, like front porch steps, like super supportive of mental health. And like, he really cares about people. And that's another thing I'd, I could have, we could have a whole podcast about, uh, the way people act when others aren't around behind the scenes. Um, like I remember I'm from a small town in Ohio and growing up, you know, you know, the F A G word, like the N word with the soft a were like loose terms in my vocabulary. And I had black friends that I would use those words around. I knew gay people that I would use those words around. And it was just like, I remember, okay, I need to make sure like warp tour. Like if I say those words, I'm going to get canceled. Um, so, and mind you, it never stopped me from using those words when people didn't hear and texting underage girls or doing anything I did never stopped me. I never stopped doing those things. Um, I just wanted to make sure I didn't get canceled for doing those things. Mm -hmm. Remember that. And so I go there and it blew my mind being in buses with different bands, like the racist jokes and the gay jokes that were made. And then you would go watch this band and they would like have pride flags hanging on their stacks. And it's like, you're just pandering. This is all we're doing. Like, if you think about what a PR rep is, public relations, it's like, okay, I'm gonna pay this person thousands of dollars to make sure people think I'm a good person, regardless of what I actually am. Do you understand? Like, it's like, what is PR other than, oh, I need to appearance to the public that I'm not a terrible person. And so it blew my mind, the jokes that people made. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about politics at all, but it's like when I heard what Donald Trump said on that bus that was privately recorded, it was like, dude, privately record half the buses of bands or or humans ever mm. and hear what they say when no one's buying closed doors. It's like people were like, well, I, now I really think low of him. Um, it's like, well, I thought low of the way he acted publicly um, and I just assume that people who don't know Christ and don't have any kind of moral standard probably aren't good people when they're hiding from people. And so when I heard that, I was just like, oh, he's a human that is saying disgusting things. It right. sounds that's sounds about right. right. Uh, hey, y'all. Sorry to interrupt this episode. I just want to remind you that Heaven and Healing Podcast is entirely viewer sponsored. I do not have any paid sponsorships for Heaven and Healing. This is entirely made possible by the grace of God and the generosity that he puts on your heart to sow into the ministry. And so if you've prayed on it, if you feel led to sow into Heaven and Healing, you can do so at donorbox.org slash heaven dash healing dash podcast dash ministry and I am going to put that QR code up on the screen so it's super convenient if you're listening you can always scroll down to the show notes and find the link there donorbox gives you the option to partner financially which is definitely preferred as it is the most helpful way to contribute to the podcast however you do have the option to just sew one single time, just one financial contribution, if that's what you feel more comfortable with. Either way, I am so grateful. It really, really helps 
Everything helps. It goes a long way. And if DonorBox doesn't work for you, I also have Stripe. Again, I will put that QR code up on the screen. That allows you to um, use Apple Pay, which I know is super convenient for most people. And then finally, you can just use good old Venmo if that's easiest for you. It's really whatever works. And so here's the thing, guys. If you don't want to donate, if you don't like the idea of sewing into a ministry, that's totally fine. You don't have to. I pray that you continue to enjoy this content that I am going to continue to put out for free no matter what. Um, And at the very least, because it's the most important, please, please just pray for me pray for heaven and healing, pray protection over myself and the ministry, and that this platform continue to be used all for the goodness and glory of God. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of this episode. Well, I I started dating this girl and I can't not talk about it. I'd I'd like to just kind of leave her alone. Um, But I started dating this girl and she's a big part of all this. Um, uh, She kind of got the brunt of me when it comes to like me just being a scumbag she'd moved all the way across the country to live with me and she lived with me and my mom and um she was delightful i I mean that wholeheartedly um she was so nice to me and she seemed and there was parts of me that's like you know that was worried that she's only into me because i'm in a band and she's pretty and i'm not pretty and if there was a dude in a band that was better looking than me, then she would want to date him. And I, I, I didn't really have a reason to make those assumptions about her. I just did. Um, and so she was great. Um, and I cheated on her a lot and I would like stop texting people for a while, but then would continue texting them. And, uh, uh, very long story shorter. I'm the trajectory of me getting, popular has only gotten quote unquote worse. I've skyrocketed at this point. Um, you know, Joel Madden is tweeting about me, uh, about my songwriting skills. He's invited me to be on the Madden brothers tour. Um, I was booking supporting and headlining shows all over the world at this point. Um, I was going and being asked to write for large bands um, and be in writing sessions for these large bands. And I'm like, man, people are really starting to realize that I am the best songwriter that's ever existed. Like I am, I am God's gift to the earth. This is amazing. Well, I go to, uh, California to write with, uh, some people and that girl who lives at my house at the moment, uh, goes through my old phone. Okay. And she finds out not only have I cheated on her, but I've been sending, you know, text messages to, um, 16, 17 year old girls and disgusting messages. And I've, you know, been doing all these terrible things. Well, before this accusations against me were kind of brewing on the internet, um, but it, there was no like credence to any of the accusations. And if we're talking about from a PR perspective, what I should have done was been like, yeah, that's true. I am a scumbag. I'm going to quit. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm talking about from a PR perspective. Uh, but what I did was like, none of that's true. You're all liars. Well, then she finds this phone and like lets everyone know it's true. Mm. So now I'm a liar. Everyone knows I'm a liar. Everyone knows I'm lying. Well, then through the end of uh, through the end of the year, this is like October 2014. It really starts brewing on the internet, and this firestorm starts happening of these accusations. And it was probably December 2014. 
to like January 1st, 2015, that it really blew up. Uh, New York Times, Vogue magazine, Billboard, Entertainment Weekly, every magazine that you could think of uh, was posting about this pop punk rising writer, songwriter, pop punk kid uh, that's in 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 the sexual assault allegation stuff. And so what happened was I had done, I was texting 16, 17 year old girls. I was receiving and sending lewd messages from 16, 17 year old girls, uh, which is illegal. And I should go to jail for it. Uh, you know, when I say that I've never not admitted to that, that's needed that to be clear to everyone. I've never been to prison. I'm not proud of that. I'm just saying like anyone who wants to go to court and open litigation up against me, um, I really encourage that to happen in the sense of like, I would love a chance to defend myself before a judge um, because a lot of things have been said that aren't true. But that's not what happened. N police never knocked at my door, never had anything. It was just like Tumblr, like this happened to me. And screenshots got posted, but they would post like a screenshot and block out all of their messages mm. and just like show my message. And by the way, this would have never happened if I just never texted them. So this is not me blaming them. Right. And it was this firestorm. And then you start seeing stuff that's like, do you know what straight edge is? Like, okay, yeah. I've been straight edge since I was 15. Some people say if you, you ever drink, you're not straight edge. But I've been sober since I was 15, still to this day. And uh, people were like, you'll see a tweet. And someone will be like, whatever happened to that guy? And someone will say, oh, I heard he did a bunch of cocaine and like slept with 13-year-old girls. And someone will respond to be like, oh, that's awful. It's like... <laughs> That's not even like an accusation that's ever been there. And so then you have girls of age women that I have had consensual sex with now saying that I raped them when we, when we slept together. And no one's going to the police. They're just posting about this. And what's so disgusting about this on that part, um, and I don't want to... Um, I'm being clear here that I've never raped or sexually assaulted or done any of those things. But if you are, I get, I can't imagine the pain that you would have to go through, but I have to say this idea that's like, I'm too scared to go to the police. I don't want the shame and all that stuff, but I'm going to get on my public Instagram, my public Tumblr, my public Facebook. I'm going to tell the entire world that I was raped, but I'm really scared to, you know, go to the police. And it's like, someone has to be like, that's, that's okay. But you have to give someone an opportunity to defend themselves. So I said to Angela, like say to you, Hey Angela, prove to me uh, that you didn't kill someone 10 years ago. It's like, well, I didn't, so I prove it to me. It's like, no, the burden of proof is on you or on me in this case. I can't just accuse you of something without presenting proof and going forward with it. And, but what I did is I was a liar and everyone knew I was a liar. So now anything said about me, if I deny it, it's like you've denied uh, everything else. Like mm -hmm. you're a liar. By the way, I'm a Christian this whole time. I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus, supposedly. Uh, so whole career goes down the drain. Um, and, uh, I end up in a treatment center that I chose to go to for, uh, oh, they call it SLAA sex and love addicts anonymous. It, it was a drug addict place too, but I went there for sex and love addiction. Uh, it's a real thing they call, um, I was there for porn addiction and I was there for depression. And so, uh, I go there and this is where it gets really 
important and really beautiful. Um, I'm a monster there as well, by the way, very selfish, very expecting everyone to do everything for me. And I start meeting with this pastor that they happen to have on staff. It was not a Christian facility. So I don't need everyone to be like, you, you know, you went to a Christian facility. This was a, they pumped me with plenty of medication and lithium and everything else. This was not a Christian facility. I'm not saying medication isn't Christian. I'm just saying that needs to be clear. There just happened to be a pastor on staff. So we start meeting for a couple weeks and uh, eventually, and this is the turning point. He says, uh, Jake, I got some bad news for you. I said, okay. What's that? And he says, you worship the affirmation of women, the approval of man. You are your own God. And I'm telling you that if you die today, that you're going to go to hell. There's no reason for me to believe that you're a Christian. Uh, and I wanted to kill that guy. I, I wanted to kill him. I, I hated him. Um, but something, this is when I believe the Holy Spirit had started doing something to me and in me that started to change me because even though I hated him in a way for what he said, it was almost like I was obsessed with what he said. I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I lost sleep over it. And so I started actually reading a Bible and reading about who Jesus actually was because I, I didn't do that before. And I now at this point, um, slowly started to think about what sin was. But at this point, I'm still very selfish. I'm still, I'm not mad that I did bad things. I'm mad that I got in trouble for bad things that I did. So not, not near a, a, a point of sanctification where I'm really repentant yet. Um, but I leave that facility that charged whatever company it was that paid for it. It was like a musician's insurance company. I think it was $60,000 for me to go there for two months. I immediately, and I left this part out, and this is one of the reasons I talked about children not listening, um, strip clubs, prostitutes, all a part of my story. Just the biggest scumbag in the world. Um, and so I get out of the treatment center for being a sex addict and immediately start dating a, a prostitute. That's, by the way, I'm a Christian this whole time. Christian. And so uh, we ended up breaking up um, because I was mad that she was a prostitute, which is really interesting that I dated her knowing that and broke up with her because I got angry that she was. And uh, this is my mentality at this time. And I happened to find this church. I'll, I'll say this. It, it was uh, it was Brentwood Baptist, um, you know, over in Brentwood. We're near Nashville right now. Um, but it wasn't the whole church. Brentwood was so huge that their small groups were the sizes of small churches. And I, I met this dude named Matt there. And I was just, dude, I was the most I've ever weighed. Um, I was just, I probably wasn't showering. And I remember just pulling this guy aside and telling him, hey, you probably don't want me here. Like, this is my story. And I really think at this moment, um, that I was, I thought I was more famous than I actually was. I thought I'd walk in anywhere and they'd be like, that's you, like you're the guy. Uh, so even in my sorrow, I still had such an arrogance about myself that everyone was going to know who I was. And I remember him just not specifically anything he said. I remember just lo him loving me, um, and introducing me to some guys, um, that I still love to this day. And I started going to this Bible study and I experienced, you know, I talked earlier about missing discipline from a father. I experienced male headship and leadership for a young man 
that was so missing from my life that I can't even explain. And so I would be like, I'm not reading my Bible. And I'd be like, I don't know what God wants me to do. What does God want me to do now? Uh, Because I I think I've repented at this point. And uh, this guy, I remember opening a Bible and saying, read, maybe it's something really practical. I don't remember at this moment, but it was, you know, maybe James, something just really practical. And he's like, are you doing any of these things or trying to? And I was like, well, not right now. And he's like, well, why don't you quit wasting my time, quit wasting God's time and do what God asked you to do in the first place. And then maybe he'll give you more revelation, but maybe you should start with the Bible. And I was like, why are these people so mean to me? Like these people are mean. Like I, they need to be nice to me. And as you can see, and all of your listeners, God bless them. I talk a lot. And so imagine me being in a Bible study and just ranting like I am now, but not coherently. No logic or rationale, just how I feel about God. And this guy named Jed, God bless him. At one point he said, I'm so sorry, but I have to stop this. For weeks now you've been coming to this Bible study. You don't even have a Bible and you just talk about how you feel about what God says and what God does. You never Mm. use scripture. And I, I feel the need to protect the men and women in this room from the things that you say. And I was like, do you want to go outside, dude? Like, do you have, like, I was going to fight the guy. A year later, fast forward, I end up calling him and thanking him for being a godly man and doing the right thing in that moment. But these guys were, I was such a wreck. And even the women, uh, there's a girl named Elena. Uh, if she listens to this, I, it's so funny because uh, God bless her. She had to have the Holy Spirit because I remember pulling her aside because she was so kind and like telling this poor girl on a porch. It's like, hey, I know you don't know me, but like, I'm like, I've been accused of like rape and sexual assault and all these really awful things. And I just wanted you to know that. So like, if you find out and it's like, she had no reason to believe that I wasn't like a rapist pulling her out on the porch to like, she was so creeped out, but her grace and kindness towards me through that. And like, we remained friends and she, she, uh, I haven't talked to her in years, but I mean, she was so kind to me that I was like, what is this? Like, she should have been like, she should have called the police when I like pulled her aside. It's like, hey, don't worry, I'm an accused rapist, but don't worry about this. So kind, um, you know, shout out to Elena. And there was, uh, there was so many people, uh, uh, Mike and Jaleesa, G- Garrison and Macy. There was these people that loved me and I didn't realize at the time that I was an absolute train wreck, that they were just like, they were graciously and mercifully putting up with in their house. That was just so disrespectful, so obnoxious. Um, and so I, um, I'm starting to really read the word of God more. I'm starting to try to focus in on it. I'm still doing stupid things. I moved back to Ohio. I'm moving with one of my best friends. This is 2016, late 2015, 16. I start dating a girl, um, and um, she was a friend of mine for years. We actually, ironically, we talked when she was 16 and I was like 20, and I wouldn't date her because she was 16. Um, but at this moment, I was probably 20, 21. At this moment, she was now 18 or 19, and we started talking. This is like 2016, and um, I started dating her, and we were sleeping together, and I was still claiming to be a Christian, and this is after everything I've told you. Um, and I end up finding this Bible study uh, through a friend because uh, I went to this New Year's Eve party, found out it was a Bible study. This is in Newark, Ohio. And 
I end up going um, to this Bible study and I end up hearing this guy preach who is now my pastor now. And I remember just being so confused on how, how I just believed what he said. And I, I know that sounds weird, um, but like I never had someone, this is my introduction to expository preaching where someone opens the word of God, they go to a passage, they use context, they use, um, they use the whole context of the Bible. They, it's literal when it's literal. It's, uh, they make sure they use cultural um, aspects. Hey, this is, you know, let's look at the time frame this was in. Let's look at the, the historical nature of this text. Um, and I was just like, this all makes sense. And I'm reading the Bible with him as he t- preaches. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that. I get that. Um, but still, still dating this girl. Um, and over time I remember being like, I called her and I was like, I don't want to sleep with you anymore. And I want you to come to church with me. And she was like, no. And I broke up with her. And that was the first girl. Um, I hope she knows this, but that was the first girl that I never, uh, the first girl during front porch step that I didn't cheat on. Um, cause I, I didn't cheat on girls when before front porch step, but this was the first girl I didn't cheat on. And she was really awesome and she was pretty and she was really great and she was kind to me and she did a lot for me. And I was like, I want this Jesus. Like, I, I don't mm. I, like you're amazing, but like you're not good enough. Um, I, I want this Jesus. And I remember, you know, you talking about male headship and, and having discipline over you. And I never really understood the love of a father. Um, my dad's so amazing but I mean a perfect father. And if I have to be grateful to God for one pivotal moment in my life, so through all this, I had two different types of people. You're a scumbag and you deserve to die. I hope you go to prison. Ironically, the people that say they hope I get raped in prison for being accused of rape, it's like their their moral logic is kind of sad it's like you know i i i've heard that you've raped women so i hope that someone rapes you and if you just think about that it's it's insane but uh i hate you or it's like you're fine dude like you made mistakes it's like no like that's neither of these are good like neither of these are right and my pastor jeremy this is the first time i ever felt the love of God. And I'm, when I mean that, I mean felt and experienced it and truly for myself. Because I explained to him, and I'm very timid, a lot more timid than I am now. Like, this is what I like did. This is what I've been accused of doing. And I've always like, I held him at a, a distance because it's like, you're probably going to think I'm a liar. You're probably not going to believe me. He said, said I need you to know they have everything on the internet if if everything on the internet about you is true I still love you it's I've never never felt that I had a guy I was friends with some bad people I had a guy call me and he's like, hey, I heard you did all this stuff. If it's true, 
like I'm coming to your house and I'm like we're fighting in the front like the front yard I'm gonna fight you and I told him what I really did and he was like oh that's all you did that's fine dude like we all we've we've all like talked to 16 17 year old girls we were young and it's like no dude like what I did wasn't okay like that's not right like you shouldn't glorify or even excuse my behavior but this dude was like Jeremy He's like, no, you sound like an awful person, and I love you. And, like, that's mind-blowing. Um, the beauty of the things I've been accused of is I've been so humbled to not see myself better than anybody else. Um, when I see these people getting allegations against them or getting accused of things, or um, I'm going to get re-canceled for this but even to the heights of uh harvey weinstein like just all these allegations he it's like man i hope that guy has someone to talk to huh. uh because there's nobody that says that and i and i hope if he if the things that are said that are uh things about him are true bill cosby all those people including me if they're true uh justice needs to be served they need to go to prison they need punished for what they've done um including me but I'm the lowest of low. Um, I, I've realized that if I look down on people, I'm looking down at my feet sitting next to theirs. Like there's no one lower than me. Um, and so it's been this grace that God has given me uh, to be so hated and so despised and so disgusted because I still haven't been near as hated as he is. And he mm. did nothing wrong. And I've done so much wrong. And so I continue to go to this church, this Bible study. It's not a church yet. It ended up becoming a church. I still attend. Um, but I would be like, hey, Jeremy, can I lead worship? And he'd be like, no. By the way, there's five other churches, at least three or four at this time. I don't want to exaggerate and lie. But at least three or four that are like, hey, come play at our church. Um, you know, our youth team loves your music. Come play here. And he was like, no. And I'm like, why? He's like, because you have a pride problem. I would never let you on stage. It would destroy you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, not never. I'm not going to. And I'm like, why are you so mean, dude? Like, why Like, why do you hate me? This dude, by the way, that said, if everything said about you is true, I love you. Like, why do you hate me? And so I would like threaten to leave the Bible study. He's like, go. He's like, your blood's not on my hands. Go, go to those other churches. But you're not, you're not, I'm not putting you on a stage here. Angela, if I get one thing other than the gospel across from here, churches have stopped, have got to stop using people before they start loving them. I would say the biggest condemnation that people aren't talking about. People want to talk about the worship music. People want to talk about the lyrics. People want to talk about, oh, is, is, is Bethel heretical? Is this person? But what they're not talking about is that we need to love people and, and, and make sure they're mature in, God, in Christ before we put them on a pedestal in the church. Because we need elder qualified men and elder, by the way, elder qualified women in the sense that uh, other than the other than um, being a, you know married to one woman and those things, you should be a woman that exemplifies Christ-like qualities that makes you qualified for leadership before I put you on a stage. But what we do is we think God isn't good enough and his word's not good enough within himself. So it's like, you know, John, this really good looking kid comes to our church, you know, he's, you know, he's 19 and uh, this is an analogy, but it's like, 
he's really good looking. He's really good at guitar. He's really good at singing. I really don't know where his faith's at. I really don't know what his prayer life's like. I don't know how he treats his his girlfriend. I don't know what he does behind closed doors. Um, but you know, we're gonna put him on stage and we're gonna let him pick the songs and we're gonna let him lead the music. And it's like you're you're you don't understand the damage not only that you're doing to your church, but that you're doing to that young man or that young woman. Um, people have to know that they're loved and they have to know what the gospel actually is and and they need guided and they need protected before you put them on a stage that's why you know i i would consider myself to be in a slightly reformed camp but i don't look at people like carl lentz or or any of these people that have been uh or even ravi zacharias that have have disqualified themselves and done all these awful things it's like, no, what you've done is wrong. It's same same thing with my situation. What you've done is wrong. You deserve the punishment that you get that's equal to what you've done. But man, Carl Lentz needs somebody to love him. Carl Lentz needs somebody that cares about him. That that would Justin Bieber needs someone that would be willing to say, Hey, come to my church. I don't want anyone to know that you come here. We don't want you to sing. We don't want you to do anything here right now. We want you to sit under sound preaching and we want you to know that not only we love you, but that God loves you. That's what Justin Bieber needs. That's what that's what Kanye West needs. They need to stop being platformed and used for their talents. They need to be loved by the church and we're not loving them. I can't tell you how many churches, if Kanye West would be like, can I start being the worship leader? I'd be like, sure. It's like, no dude, that guy needs loved. He, he doesn't need to be your source of income for your church. He doesn't need to be the draw for people. So as time goes, something starts to change in me. And, and, and I start to understand the gospel. And I don't know when I fully knew the gospel and believed it. But the gospel is that God is God. And he is the, the almighty creator of all things. And what he says goes. And he has revealed himself in his word. Um, and how he revealed himself was obviously um, through prophets and things like that. But he's mostly and, and, and ultimately revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is also God. There's one God. There are three and one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. I'm not intellectually uh, divine enough to understand that. But I don't need to intellectually understand it to believe it's true. Mm-hmm. But... We have sinned against God. He has a law, and we've sinned against him. We've broken that law. And the Bible says if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken the whole law. So I'm a sinner if I've told a lie. I don't have to be front porch step scumbag of the, of the, of the ages. I need to tell a lie, and now I'm a liar. Um, people say, well, the Old Testament, they were really harsh. But, you know, Jesus came to be kind and it's like, no, yes, he did come to be kind, but his kindness isn't what you understand. His kindness is that he's come to tell you that you deserve hell, but I'm coming and have come now to make a way um, not for you to be cleared. Jesus did not come to say everything you do and everything you've done is okay. What he, what he came to say was everything that you've done is awful. 
All of you deserve to go to hell. Everybody deserves hell. None of you can meet the righteous standards that it requires to be my child. And I am going to walk to that cross and I'm going to be nailed to that cross and I am going to take every punishment that Angela deserves, every punishment that Jake deserves, and I'm going to take the wrath of God. By the way, I don't want to use big words and confuse people. I'm not an intellectual, but if you don't believe substitutionary atonement, you don't believe the gospel. God put Jesus on the cross. The Father put Jesus on the cross and put his wrath on his own son. That's why we call him the lamb. He was the sacrificial lamb for Jake McElfresh's sins. And God killed his only son so that Angela could go to heaven, so that Jake could go to heaven. And so we have this Americanized gospel. I'm so sorry. I've, I've taken over your podcast. I love it. Keep going. Okay. We have this Americanized gospel where we tell people it's like you got to be better it's like, no they can't be better like they need a savior <laughs> what we've done to the church what we've done to Christ's bride uh, is we what we've done is this going to sound so stupid but just hear me out if there's a hockey game and you want everybody loves basketball but you you know that hockey is so cool and it's way better than basketball. Bear with me. It's way better than basketball. It's actually, it's, it's life-giving. It's so much better than basketball. And people come to it and they're like, this is stupid. I don't like any of this. And she's like, oh crap, how do we get people to like this? So we take the hockey net off the ice and we flip it upside down. We're like, okay, let's start, let's start flicking the hockey puck into the net. And so, like, it'll kind of resemble basketball, but it'll still be hockey. And then a couple more people come, and they're like, oh, this is cool. Like, okay. But then people are like, no, this is still stupid. It's like, okay, let's raise the hockey net up so people can now, like, we'll have to shoot it really high. Okay, well, now, you know, you get it. Now let's turn the puck into a ball. Okay, let's get rid of the sticks. So let's just carry the ball. Okay, let's get rid of the ice. Let's get rid of the hockey skates. Let's get rid of the pads. Let's get rid of everything. And let's make it hardwood floors. And let's actually start. And, and here's what's really important. Your stadium is full with people who love basketball. And everyone who loves hockey has left. And you have people um, trying to play basketball who only know how to play hockey. And so the games aren't even entertaining. Because I'm telling you right now that if I can go to a Christian concert and there's nothing wrong, there's nothing inherently sinful, that's an important term, there's nothing inherently sinful with lights and fog and all those things. But if I'm going there for that, and I can go see Justin Bieber or Cardi B next door, and I love sin, and I, I love those things, your Christian concert is not cool enough for me. Hmm. What we need to tell people is that Christ is better than everything you've ever imagined. And I want to show you Christ. And we, we've un misunderstood the human nature of men and sin. And that we think that we can, oh, well, they left my church because the music wasn't because we only have a piano and if we just had a guitarist and a better singer people would love our church and it's like imagine saying that about your wife it's like oh they didn't baby like i, I introduced to my friends they don't really like you can you lose like 20 pounds like can you can you change yourself a little bit um i you know they don't really like your personality um can you change it and you take your wife and you dress her up in all this makeup 
and you make her to be a different person to try to appease everyone else. And I'm stealing this from Paul Washer, but imagine instead of it being your wife, you've done that too. You've done it to the king's wife. Hmm. You've, you've taken God's bride. You've taken Christ's bride. And you've said, you know what? She's not good enough. I'm going to rip up her dress and I'm going to... I'm going to paint her dress a different color. I'm going to dye her hair a different color. I'm going to dye her. I'm going to make sure she has colored contacts. And I'm going to make this woman look completely different than the woman that the king loves. So maybe people will like her. And imagine what that king would do if he found out about that. And obviously God knows. And so what we've done is we've stopped believing the gospel can save. And we've believed that we have to convince people through worldly means um, that that God is is cool like the world. It's like no, you know, paraphrasing probably terribly C.S. Lewis. Like we're far too easily pleased. We 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 fool around with sex and all these all these things uh, because we think they're the height of of joy. And like a child who um, only understands playing with mud pies will never understand what a holiday at the sea is like. That's what C.S. Lewis says, paraphrasing. We don't understand the joy that comes in Christ. I left this part out, and I think it's important. I was a diagnosed sex addict that after I broke up with that girl that I mentioned, I never slept with another woman from 2016 till 2020 in the night that I married my wife. Um, that is life-changing. There is no worldly reason that I would stop doing something that the world will tell you right now is healthy and it's good. You should have as many partners as possible. For some reason, I felt, I am, I experienced abstaining from something that was the height of my life at one point, whether it was pornography or women, sex was the most important thing in my life. And it was not good enough anymore for me because I had experienced something that was better than sex. Mm. And people are going to make lewd jokes about that and all these things. And, 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 and Angela, people don't understand how gracious God's going to be as they make those lewd jokes. And he's going to, uh, he, he's still going to possibly let them breathe as they make them. Um, he's not slow to fulfill his promises, but he's patient, hoping that all reach repentance. He does not delight in the death of the wicked, but he will punish the wicked if they reject him. Um, and we, we have to believe that we, we have to believe that. So, um, super fast forward to, uh, 2000, um, I forget when this was 2019. I think a girl walks into my church. Uh, she was 19 at the time I was 27. I was dating another girl. Um, but she was nice. She was cool. Um, and you know, that's fine. And, uh, um, I ended up breaking, you know, breaking up with that girl at the time. And this girl, this 19-year-old was coming to you know movie nights that I was hosting and uh, church events, and I really just thought she was so kind and so it's so gentle-hearted and so sweet. Um, and I was like, "You're 27. This girl's 19. If you were 22, she was the age of the girls uh, that you were talking to and gotten all this trouble for. This is going to look awful, and so you're not going to date this girl at all." Um, and I just. I don't want to romanticize it and say, oh, I fell in love with her. I, 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 I didn't, I, but I just liked her so much. Um, and so what I decided to do was I went and I told her, I, you know, we showed mutual interest in each other. I was like, I'd like to speak to your father. 
And um, I drove, never hung out with her alone, only at public events and where everybody was there. And so I drove to her dad's house and I sat in a room just like you and I are right now, just couches. And I told him everything that I've told you up until this point. Uh, the worst of the worst. I don't even think my in-laws, my siblings know about this. And if they see this, they're going to be like, I don't think they even know that about Front Porch Step, but her parents do. And I told him for three hours, everything that I've done, everything that's been said about me, everything that's untrue, everything that is true. And I said, I would like to, I, I said, I know it looks like I'm just trying to sleep with your daughter. And if you think that about me and you have, and you don't want me to, to even talk to your daughter, I'll, I'll never speak to her again. Mom. Um, and he said, okay, well, you've been very honest with me. If you want to get to know her, that's fine. Uh, we went on a few dates. I'm super, I'm very fancy. We went to Bob Evans a few times and, uh, I just, I, I just love, in a, in a non-romantic way, I just loved her. She was so great and she was so sweet. And so about a week later, I was like, I want to talk to your dad again. And I was like, Hey, I'd like to date your daughter. Um, I remember the kid that I've been speaking of this whole time, who I was. And he was like, what are your intentions? And I said to, uh, to marry her or break up with her as soon as possible. And he said, okay, six months go by. Um, She's the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me. Her whole family thinks I'm weird um, because this idea as Christians that we present that like we don't want to sin sometimes is stupid. So we would not ride in the car alone together. Uh, remember who I was. And so we would not ride in the car alone together uh, eventually um, because we realized that it wasn't good for us. Uh, we stopped hanging out alone. We would start having chaperones when we hung out. By the way, I'm 28 at this moment. She's 19. Um, we started having chaperones when we hung out, if we weren't going out in public. And, uh, I had a third meeting with her father and I said, I'd like to marry your daughter. He said, I would have never picked you to be my son-in-law and I'm so glad it's not my choice. And, uh, I married her in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. Um, she, I wrote the song, you look nothing like my dreams about her. And she is the greatest thing outside of salvation that God has ever given me. Um, and she's with our, she's with child right now. She has our first little baby boy, our first child in her, in her womb right now that God's continually to knit right now and making him strong and, and giving him all of his, uh, all of his necessities that he needs for life. And, uh, by the grace of God, I'm not who I should be, but I, I'm not who I was. And I left out a very important part that when I truly had repentance, I stopped being specifically sorrowful over things I've done that got me in trouble. And I, I started to think about the of age women that never accused me of anything, that never did anything wrong towards me, that, non, that I didn't even cheat on, but I simply fornicated with I simply had a relationship with and and I started to weep over the fact that I had sinned not just against these women but against God I started to be sorrowful over the fact that I'm a gossip over the fact that I'm a liar over the fact that I have pride and it changed from God I lost my career and I'm so sad to um, God I am a man of unclean lips I am undone and I stand before a holy God 
and I deserve hell. And, and that Lord in, in Isaiah 6 that was sitting on the throne, he left that throne and he came and he died for us. And, and if you're listening to this, I'm not speaking for anyone to listen to think that I'm better than they thought I was. Because I assure you, the worst thought of me is too high of a, of a thought of me. I'm far worse than you can imagine. If you put a, a if you put a, uh, um, if you put a projector on the back of my head and shine it on this wall, and you saw my thoughts, you would never speak to me again. You would want me killed. I'm an awful man, but I've been saved by a gracious and merciful God. And so I hope that someone who is disgusting, who knows they're disgusting, who is loved by no one and doesn't feel loved and knows they don't deserve love, I hope you know that there's a God that loves you. And he, he's made a way for you to be saved. And, and he's, there is no sin too great for his mercy to not cover. There is no sin too disgusting for him because we, we separated from God by breaking his law, when when Eve ate of the fruit and, and Adam was deceived, we we deserved hell because God gave us a, a garden full of trees and fruit to feed us. We neglect this. God gave us so much. He gave Adam and Eve an entire garden of trees and fruit. And he said, all I ask is that you don't eat from this one, but you can have everything else. And in our arrogance and Eve and Adam's arrogance, we said, what you say is not good enough. And that sends you to hell. Not, and Angela, I'm, I'm talking so much, but I, I need to say that it is hard for me to imagine having a Christian, a truly biblical Christian moral value in voting, let me finish, voting Democrat. But there is a disease of people who think that if they have a, a red circle next to their name that they are saved we have lambasted and made fun of dylan mulvaney and i've been guilty of it who needs jesus like that dude is so miserable and i'm calling him a dude because he is a man but he's a man that god loves and, and god is angry with his sin but it's we don't understand it but it's as if jonathan edwards says that we have to call and God was kind in, in giving us, a, uh, of calling Jesus the lion and the lamb, because our finite brains can't comprehend a single being have the super, uh, superlative attributes of both animals. We don't understand that this God who can and will and should kill you has refrained from killing you. He has refrained and he has been so gentle and kind with you. And, and we're hypocrites. We have... We have the Bible says to not be drunken, but we have boycotted this Bud Light because they posted a picture of a, this a soul, <laughs> and we what we've done is we've say we've said, hey, we're gonna fornicate and get drunk the way God intended, not like this transgender person, and 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 God bless him because he's a soul as well. But the arrogance of Kid Rock to think that he's better than Dylan Mulvaney is insane to me. Uh, we need we need to stop making fun of the first of all we need to read romans 13 and know that there's no authority put in government that god hasn't placed there and isn't sovereign over we need to stop making fun of joe biden for being yeah. for being old and in 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 
unable. That's someone's grandfather. That's someone's dad. And we need to start praying for him. But we also need to say that his policies are sinful and they're wrong. But we need to pray that Joe Biden gets saved. We need to pray that Donald Trump gets saved. Donald Trump is on video. He's the representation of what I'm talking about. He says, I don't know why, I'm paraphrasing, but I don't know why I would need to ask God for forgiveness. I try to live a life uh, where I don't need to ask for forgiveness. And Mm. what we've done is we've created a Christian culture around a man that said that, and we think that he's a Christian, and he's not. Um, By admission, by the way, I can't know if you're saved or not, but by admission, I I don't know why I need to ask for forgiveness. You've admitted it. Unless he's repented since he's made that statement and has changed his heart, please God that that has happened or will happen. He is not a Christian. Um, America is not Israel. We are not, we are not God. God has not focused his eyes on America and has ignored the rest of the world. And we don't read our Bibles. And we think that the abundance that America has is a blessing from God. And we've ignored the fact that bless uh, that abundance in money and comfort has been a condemnation throughout the Bible from front to back. Uh, if you read Habakkuk, um, God sends the Chaldeans to hurt Israel and, and or, or his people and, and to um, and to uh, to attack them. He raises up an awful army. God does an army that was already going to do uh, was already evil, and God uses them to discipline His own people. Um, hold on, just a second. I, I picked the book that's the hardest to find in the Bible. Okay, here we go. And and this is Christianity. This is what people don't understand. This is what we call American Christianity. Christianity, it's not. This is what Habakkuk says after the Lord says he's going to do all these things. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Like us doing really well and having health and wealth and prosperity has never been a biblical reason of why God has favor on a nation. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? That is not a biblical reason to be like, we're doing great because we have all this abundance. Read your Bibles. God lets you do what you're going to do. And sometimes it's a discipline. It's a punishment. And so we we need... We need an actual revival. Mm. And when I say that, I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but there's never been a revival that's been planned by anyone but God. And so if you're saying we're going to have a a revival at my church tonight, you don't know that. How many revivals have been announced that haven't actually happened? We need to stop. We, We need to start a revival by individually going to our houses and praying and reading our Bibles more, and falling more in love with Jesus, and loving our wives better, and loving our husbands better. We need to start a revival by gossiping less. And by the way, I'm talking to Christians here, not people who are gossips. I'm not called to judge outsiders. I'm called to judge people in the church. Like we need to, we need to stop. Angela, this is offensive, but I don't care how many, how many legs broken bones that you've prayed over and fused together i'm impressed in how you're going to treat your spouse when no one's around i'm impressed in how i see the glory of god in the way that you act 
and and do your work at your job when God when no one's around and only God sees. Quick break in the episode to tell you that if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating and written review on whatever platform you listen. If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and leave some love in the comments. It really helps with the algorithm. Send this to a friend, share it to your Instagram story and tag me so that I can say thanks. And we've really, we've really got to stop attacking LGBTQ people or LGBTQ plus people and being like, hey, like, you got to stop sinning because what we're saying is that you have the ability to quit sinning. But, well, my, this isn't a real person, but my Uncle Jerry's been married seven times. But if you're gay, that's a sin. But I haven't said a word to my Uncle Jerry about his lifestyle. We need to love, like, I have, there's gay people that they're probably going to see this. They're probably going to hate me because I'm talking about gay people. And I believe that marriage was, was designed for God by God to be between a man and a woman. And, and that homosexuality is a sin. There's no such thing as transgenderism. I believe that. And I know it. But I don't want them to stop doing it because what they're doing is wrong and they have to stop doing it that's not how you get saved so they good. need to believe that there's a god who loves them right now despite them and i love them i've always said this sounds stupid but i'm like god if i die let me like take a bullet for a gay person let me like take a bullet for a transgender person so at least one person will believe that i love them because right now they don't they, they think that i hate them they think that i don't cry over them they think wow. that I don't think anything about them. And they think that I'm just like, your lifestyle's terrible. No, our lifestyles are terrible. We are all a constant, even as Christians, but there's no condemnation for those who are Christ. Right. But we are we are always sinning against God. We are always never grateful enough. We are always, and you know, that might be a little much. Someone's going to comment and be like, we don't always sin. That's true. But I, I, all fall short. I've got pride right now. I'm scared what people are going to think of me from all this I've said. I'm afraid of the friends I'm going to lose. I'm afraid of the press that I'm going to get from this. But at some point, I have to decide whether God is good enough to lose everything. And I'm not making Amen. myself a martyr. Because I did, like, I'm going to be real honest. My family didn't want me to do this. Because um, in the state of Ohio... Um, it's it's legal if i would have never received or sent a picture to a 16 or 17 year old girl in ohio and i would have just went to their parents asked asked for the permission to have intercourse with them and only had intercourse with them never received or sent a picture i would be guilty of no law uh that exists in ohio um I, you know especially if i got paperwork to prove the parents gave me permission because 16 is the age of consent um and I did not sleep with any of those girls, but did send and receive photos from them. Um, and so I sent and received under Ohio law, child pornography. Do I think that law is a little whack and that there should be, I think that you shouldn't be sleeping with 16 or 17 year old girls and you also shouldn't be receiving pictures. I don't mean they should get rid of the child pornography law, but um, it makes me so grateful that my God's law was perfect and that um, if I go to the Middle East today 
and there's a law that says I'm allowed to rape a woman, man's law doesn't change what God's law is. And that I'm guilty before God, even if I'm not guilty before law. So I, I told my mother, who's so afraid that I'm going to say all this and go to jail. I said, Mom, I'm not going to go to jail because I said something on a podcast. I'm going to go to jail because I've committed a crime. No, I think that law is stupid. Uh, as in, it, there's an inconsistency between that age of consent law, yeah, I think it's stupid and I, I think it should be fixed. I think it should be illegal uh, to have sex with 16 or 17 year girls and it should be illegal to send and receive photos from them. But I would not go to jail because 10 years later, I, I spoke about it again because I've admitted to this in a Billboard magazine article, but I would be going to jail because I'm a criminal and God... God's not in the business of preventing his children from being disciplined on earth for the things that they've done. He's in the business of, of preventing them from being disciplined for the things in eternity. If you, if you are a, a priest who molests a child, you deserve to go to prison. And it doesn't matter that if you are a, if you are a Christian, you shouldn't be covered. I have elders and a pastor who watch me like a hawk. If I were to do something wrong, or my pastor was to believe that I was a danger to anyone in my church, I would not be welcome at my church. Man. God is not interested in letting us get away with things on earth. He's interested in getting uh, uh, in in placing the punishment we do deserve for eternity on His Son, and Jesus is interested in gladly and in, in happily taking that punishment upon Himself. But if I if you release this interview, and litigation comes out, and I go to jail, if I go to, if I never see my my unborn son again, I'm not going to not see my unborn son again because God's not good, and I made the mistake of coming on this podcast. I, that would happen because I, I chose to break God's law and commit a crime 10 years ago. Oh, Do you understand? Yeah. And we don't think about that. We don't, we don't act like that. So like, I'm not a rapist. I've said this, I said this in an interview. I'm not a rapist. Anyone that said I've raped them is a liar. Um, and I, I love them and I, I hope that they repent and I hope that they believe in Jesus. Anyone who said that I've, uh, that I'm a pedophile, um, and somebody's going to be like, oh, well, you know, you just admitted to be a pedophile. It's like there's a difference. It's not okay. It's weird. It's wrong. But there's a difference between texting a 16-year-old girl and, and talking to a 13-year-old. Like there is a difference. Um, and if you want to call me a pedophile, at least have a moral standard that matches. Because if 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 you're going to call me a pedophile because 10 years ago when I was 22, I was texting 16, 17-year-old girls, which was wrong, don't tell me that a a ten year old can uh, can decide whether they want to get their 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 penis cut off uh, to become a woman. Sheesh, don't, yep. Yeah, don't tell me that. Um, don't tell me that 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 a, a eight year old um, can learn about sex and and how um, how uh, men and women with men and with women and all around learn about fornication and what it looks like and read books about it. Like that's why I'm so thankful that God has a law that doesn't get changed. I am guilty if if it becomes legal tomorrow um, to, which I'm so scared it's coming to this. Right. If, if, if pedophilia becomes legal in the next 20 years, it's not legal in God's Still eyes. Still a sin, yeah, exactly. Yes. And so you guys can, listening, um, who hate me, I would say that you have a right to hate me 
in the sense of I've done wrong and you have a moral compass that's been gifted to you by God in your heart and you should hate things that I've done and you should think that I'm a bad person for the things that I've done. Um, but I would really caution you, not towards your attitude towards me, but to know that one day I'm going to stand before God for everything that I've said and done, including the things on this podcast, which are terrifying. And you are going to stand before God. Mm. And there's going to be no at that moment, well, Jake McElfresh, God, God is not interested in that moment on what Adolf Hitler did or, or what anybody did. It's going to be you alone before God standing up for your transgressions. So if you don't know Jesus and you've ever told a lie, you are a liar. You're, you're a liar and you need to be punished because lying is wrong and God said so. Right. And so how can you reconcile the guilt of you being a liar or a cheater or a fornicator or an adulterer? Who are you going to answer to for all the things that you've done that are morally, not morally, but that are secularly and earthly legal according to the law? How are you going to reconcile your guilt for those things um, that you still feel guilty for? Um, because we, there are people that are miserable out there that and i think you've said it but it's so cheesy but we do have a god-shaped hole in our heart that we try to fill with everything but god and we're never satisfied and i'm telling you that if you would um if you would repent of your sins and say say god i want to be in right relationship with you and, and I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus took the wrath that I deserve for my sins. God, I want to be in right relationship with you. I want to be your child and I want to know you. You don't need to go up to an altar. You don't need to raise your hand. If you're in a car right now and you say that and you believe it, um, I want to read it because I don't want to get it wrong. Romans 10.9 is very important. By the way, the whole Bible is important, but in this context, Romans 10, 9 is really important. Um, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and by the way, confessing him as Lord means that you're uh, submitting to his lordship over you. Um, it doesn't mean, yep, Jesus is Lord, and then you're saved. There right. will be evidence that Jesus is your Lord. Uh, um, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that's important, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So I'm going to uh, say what I was scared of saying. And I'm going to say that if you're listening and you are a rapist, or you are a pedophile, or you are a murderer, um, if the woman who was a part of Charles Manson's family that just got released, if you happen to come across this, um, if you are the scum of the earth and you think that there is no hope for you, I'm telling you uh, that there is hope for you. Um, do not listen to the people that say, thank God that I'm not like this person. Mm. Uh, but I encourage you to beat your chest and say, have mercy on me, God. I am a sinner and he will save you. Mm. Um and it's like you said, there is no condemnation for those in Christ yes. Jesus. And we have to wrap up soon, but I want to close yeah, with something sorry. important. Not because I want to, but because yeah. I'm afraid the memory cards are going to run out of time. And I want to give you a chance to sing that song for us. Oh, but yes. I want to say um, that, you know, we live in a culture 
that we live in cancel culture. It's like, you know, whether you do something like you did 10 years ago or you do something today, if you do it, you are done mm -hmm. in this secular world. There is no hope for redemption. And then at the same time, we also have a world that preaches, forgive yourself, forgive yourself, forgive yourself. Oh, but if someone wronged you, you don't have to forgive them. Mm -hmm. We just, they're just like an antichrist in, this, in the entire world, everything that is preached, everything that is encouraged. And so I want to say, not because I'm trying to elevate who you are, but I really pray that people see the change in your heart, not because of anything you've done, but because of what God has done. Yeah. And the word tells us that the carnal mind cannot comprehend spiritual things. And so if there are people who aren't in Christ, they are going to just see this as like, oh, he's just saying that, that's that's this, that's that. Oh, he yeah. just thinks some imaginary Jesus saved him. That's because they can't understand. Amen. And I'm just gonna go there. That's That's as bad. That heart posture is just as bad as what you did back then because it's sinning against God. It's sinning, sinning against God's grace to say that he cannot change someone, yeah. that he cannot that he cannot crucify the old self. It says in the Bible, when you come to Christ, your old self is dead. That version of Jake is dead. Yeah. Who Jake is in Christ is who he is because God says so. And I really just pray that anyone, like you just said, who is if they would call themselves the scum of the earth, knows that there is hope and there's so much more than hope. There is true redemption. There is redemption because of Jesus. You are not made worthy because of anything you do. He is worthy and he chooses to make you worthy with his, with his forgiveness from his sacrifice. And I hope and I pray that this can soften hearts. I pray that people can recognize that the only, the only thing that could ever be, I hate saying thing, the only person that could ever be responsible for someone going from death to life is God. It is Jesus. It is what Jesus has to offer. It is who he is. We are healed by his stripes. You know, he died for our transgressions. He died for our sin. He became our sin on that cross. Yeah. He became your sin. And I, I just, I really appreciate everything that you said in this episode because it was needed on, on so many, so many different facets. Yeah. And I really pray that this is going to reach a lot of people. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or? Um, I mean, for any of my Bible reading friends, I, I do know that be quick to listen, slow to speak does exist in the Bible, and I struggle with it. So uh, forgive me for my ranting. Um, I am... Uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy, by the way, Paul uh, persecuted the church and had people, um, had people jailed, and he stood and approved as Stephen was stoned to death. Uh, we don't really think about the Bible when we read it. We don't think about the fact that Paul um, um, sat and watched uh, people throw stones at a man's body while it bludgeoned his body to death, and he slowly died, and his brains uh, come, you know, come out of his head, and he he literally dies from repeated blows to his body with stones. And Paul says, "I like this. This is good. This is honorable." And that man says that Christ Jesus came. The the uh, it is a. Uh, the testimony is true. I'm paraphrasing, um, but the Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 
Um, but he did this. Uh, he used me as the foremost to s- display his perfect patience and his, you know, his grace and his mercy. And if I become, once again, not to sound like a martyr, but if I become the most hated person in America the day this podcast gets released, and one person sees me as a monument um, to steal from Piper, a monument of mercy that hmm. I am a walking example that Christ saves disgusting people, hmm. um, awful people. It would be worth anything that comes to me um, because I know that would be honoring to God. Um, and I know that he would He would be pleased with anything that I've, I would do Amen. and anything that would come to me. And he would not be less good uh, for anything, any backlash that comes from this. God would still be good because he's his my my circumstances. I, I, we've talked about the gospel. I presented it. We've said scripture, um, but just there are men who own private jets who kill themselves, and there are people who live in third world countries who have nothing and have joy, and and those people separate and exist by their belief in Christ. That that's how those people are. The only difference between those two people, if you have everything that you've ever wanted, and you are me in 2014, you are miserable, and you go to sleep at night, and you you don't love your wife anymore, and she's not as good as you thought she was, and or you don't love your husband anymore, and you like this new guy, and you think he'll be better. I promise you, he's not. I promise you, nothing will ever be good enough for you except an eternal God, because you have a a a God-given eternal desire for joy. And there's only one thing that can fill you with joy eternally, and that is an eternally divine God. Um, Someone's going to be eating food right now, and I just pray that you think about the fact that whatever you're eating, you can pick a banana or a strawberry out of the ground or a banana off a tree and has flavor, and it's good. God allows disgusting and awful people to enjoy his creation constantly, and we constantly ignore him and and despise him for it. Hmm. So he did not give you cardboard sustenance. If you're eating right now, you're eating something that has flavor, and ask yourself how an evolutionary big bang explosion caused you to be the remarkable complex human that you are today with the thoughts and feelings that you have i'm this is the closing remark if you think that this is a pr stunt um i've said i have a really bad pr person um i'm a six literal day creationist um i i am a um i am a uh, i believe that male headship belongs in the house and i believe um, that uh, I believe that the Bible is clear um, in the word that um, only men are called to eldership positions. There are plenty of things that I can come and say that are not going to make anyone like me. So if you think that I've come here to make all of you like me and think that I'm a good person, I have done a terrible job. I am a wretched and awful man who has been saved by a merciful God. And my desire is to not please you, even though sometimes it is. Um, I'm still afraid, but my desire is to please him ultimately. And that's Mm -hmm. by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working in me. So I pray that you would come to know this God. And I pray um, that you would not see me as a liar, but you would see me as evidence. Um, And that's all I've got, honestly. Amen. Yeah, you were actually, I wanted to mention this. I'm glad you just said that because you were worried when I first invited you on, you were worried what this was going to do for my image. which in and of itself is just, it's a compassionate heart posture, but 
I don't Thank care. You. I don't care about that at all because I see you as a brother in Christ mm. and I see you I could never I could never comprehend the mind of God, but because the Holy Spirit indwells in me, I see you through the lens of someone that Jesus would want me to see you through. Yeah. And I love you and I honor you, you. as my brother in Christ. And I don't care what people think of me from this because just like you said, this is pleasing to God for yeah. to, you know, it says where two or more gather, I'm there. This is pleasing for God. He is with us and he loves us both. And he mm. loves every person watching saved or not. And if they're not saved, he yeah. wants them to be. That's important. Saved not, or not. It's he not the will you. for any of them to perish. Yeah. So, um, all right. I know we could go on forever, but. Yeah. Oh, you know I can. Thank you yeah. for agreeing to come and talk to me. Yeah. And I love the, you know, kind of like the tapestry that God weaves. How I think back to me being 20 in 2014 unsaved using your music as all music I used as a vice, yeah. um, as like some sort of emotional salvation. You unsaved at the time describing the person you were. And I, I see a lot of similar qualities i wasn't doing what you were doing but that that narcissism mm. of just like the victimhood which then translated when i got into the new age as the narcissism of this god complex that i had yeah and just thriving off of that same uh dare i use the word energy that you were giving off and i think that's like a problem in general with a lot of people that use music as an idol they don't realize the person that you were describing the sinner behind the idol that they're making the music out of and um this is just like really full circle like i said the tapestry god weaves you know like who i would have never guessed 2014 I would one day love Jesus, that this guy that I was listening to would love Jesus, that we would be sitting in a room talking about how much we love Jesus. But this is God, this was a part of God's plan because he is sovereign and it's such a better plan than anything that I could have ever imagined. And honestly, thank God that what happened to your career happened because yes. you wouldn't be saved more, more than likely. I can't speak but to important. that, but you probably wouldn't be saved. So thank God that he let you fall from grace, if you will. And thank God that he let me go down the path I went down because ultimately it was, it was being in that valley that he, he had the opportunity to, to just embark on essentially a supernatural rescue mission for both of our souls. So praise God, because we were yeah. both the, we were both the one little sheep that he left the 99 for. Yeah. And it's it, amazing. It's a common misconception in Psalm 23, and I'm guilty of it. Your rod and your staff. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Um, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, but he, he, in that, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those words are not synonymous. They are different tools for different reasons. And I believe that a kind and gracious shepherd in 2014-15, whenever it all really broke down, took a rod to me and ruined me in the mm. most kind act that he's ever done towards me. And he made me low, and he made me humiliated, and he made me see not, he didn't make me become what I was, he made me see who I was, and he made me see who I was without him. And now he still uses that rod, um, I've sinned in this interview. I have, I have, I have come on, and this is important. 
doesn't mean that I go dwell on it, but I, I've talked too much. I, I might have said things, you know, that were scripturally inaccurate, possibly. I don't remember. I could have. I'm not a perfect person. Amen. I'm a representation of the one that is perfect. Amen. Um, and so thank you. I, I feel so awful that I'd never thank you. You're like, what are your closing comments? It's like, yes, <laughs> welcome to the Jake McElfresh show. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that Angela could sit and listen to me and have the, you know, her VIP pass to my world. No, but um, there's a lot of people um, that I really respect that don't, don't respond to my messages and don't want to know anything about me uh, because of the things on the internet and they're Christians. Mm. And, uh, and they've seen my messages, by the way. Um, there are journalists that I've reached out to with evidence that people are lying and they they don't want any part of it because it's not sexy to see someone be, uh, be, um, what's the word I'm looking for to be, uh, resolved or, you know, whatever it is to, to be found that he's actually not guilty of certain things. But man, I'm so glad that God's perfect. And I'm so glad that there are people like you. Um, I, I am worried for you. And I, I hope that, um, I hope that any hate that comes on here, is directed only towards me um, because, and people say that you platformed me. Um, but if anything, you've platformed me to give anyone evidence of me being a criminal or, or whatever I am. Um, you are a person who has, you're a sister in Christ who has opened me to come in here and have polite discourse and share my story. And I don't think any hate should come towards you um, for being willing to listen to someone. Um, mm. I, I think the, all any hate that should come should come only towards me and Angela should not have uh, any of it. And so thank you um, uh, for being not afraid to have me on. Um, thank you just for being so kind and gracious and showing the love of Christ towards me. Um, it means the world to me. And I hope, um, um, I mean, you know, you can tell people, but like, I don't. I wanted to make sure your husband was here. I wanted to make sure that we were texting in groups with our spouses. I'm very careful with the way I speak to women, but you and your husband, I hope this is a start of a friendship uh, that lasts for eternity. And I, I'm just thankful that I get to know you and Amen. your husband, who's lovely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I get to see him, by the way. He's great. He's really handsome. So. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, we're going to let you perform a song. Do awesome. you want to give... This time I am going to call you out for your for your rambles because how many how much time do we have left? Like 10 minutes, if that? 16. Oh, good. It feels like time is going. Sweet. So do you want to give like a... Um, <laughs> like a preface to what this song is, why you wrote it. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna play "Walk You Home," and uh, I women were my god for the longest time, and I came to a place where women weren't my god anymore because I found uh, God, and when I say that, He wasn't hiding. I just, uh, um, by the grace of God, uh, the Holy Spirit did a work in me that uh, gave me new eyes to see um, myself in the holiness of God. Um, in light of myself and I was undone and I repented. Um, but after that, um, he introduced the woman that I spoke my wife, Chanel into my life. And I, the song mentions, um, um, her, her father and that conversation that I spoke about. And the, the chorus is, uh, something had changed when the Lord Jesus came and he breathed all his life in my bones. Now I know that he is all I'll ever need. Um, um, 
uh, to come fill up my heart's catacombs. Like that's the, the last line, but it's um, no need to chase women to try to quench thirst. I can drink from the fountain alone. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, man. Ugh, I'm a, I need eight, eight hours. You are not designed uh, to be married in the sense that if you do not find a spouse, God must not love you. Right, that's good. You can, the Apostle Paul, whether he was married before or not, we don't know. His wife possibly left him when he converted. We don't know. But Paul was single and he wrote most of the New Testament. My sister in Christ, my brother in Christ, if you are lonely, uh, it is not a sin to be lonely, but focus on the God that you have in your life that loves you and it's cheesy, but be so in Christ that someone has to be in Christ to find you. Uh, that would be my encouragement to single people. So when I sing the song, my wife is not the end all be all. God forbid if she dies tomorrow, I will still have Christ and she will be in heaven. So romance is not my end all be all anymore. But this song is how Jesus is the only thing that I'll ever need. And he happened to be so kind that he gave me a wife on top of that. And so... That's that's my intro. It's song. a really great song too. Thank okay. you. It's okay. <laughs> you look like your mama. Oh, how I love your mama. You look like I wasted most of my life hitting on girls that weren't my future wife. I was impatient I'm so glad I failed each one I'd find I gave them affection But I just don't reckon they liked it They all got it at the same time Something had changed when the Lord Jesus came And he breathed all his life in my bones No need to chase women to try to quench thirst I can drink from the fountain alone I can drink from the fountain alone I can drink from the fountain alone You joke like your dad Oh how I love your daddy's soul I know he was worried when I came around Cause I've never carried the best name in town But he was so patient I'm so glad he talked with me that night I said there's no reason for you to believe But I'm not the same man that I've been most of my life Cause something had changed when the Lord Jesus came and he all his life in my bones No need to chase women to try to quench thirst I could drink from the fountain alone But I crashed into you on my way to his house So we both walked along narrow road I said, darling, I know that I can't save your soul You mind if I did walk you home? I know you love me Darling, you know I love you too But I only love you because of the one who loved me long before I was knit in a womb Cause something had changed when the Lord Jesus came And he breathed all his life in my bones 
Now I know that he is all I'll ever need to come fill up my heart's catacombs. But I crashed into you on my way to his house as we both walked along narrow road. I said, come follow me, I don't have what you need, but love if I could walk you home. I said, I'll take this woman to heaven to hope, knowing one day I won't get to hold you no more. I'm not really sure who he'd welcome in first, but I'd love to walk you to the door.